Well, here we are sharing again the Word of God. This is Ray Martinez, your podcast host for Conversations with Ray Martinez. We're going to study today out of the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. What is the difference between spiritual and carnal living? That's our lesson for today. And we take this away from the letters that Paul writes to Timothy. And he's such an encourager. What a leader Paul is and what a mentor he is. Here's the scripture. It says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I love that. When Paul says this, all scripture is inspired and therefore useful. That's exactly what he means. There's there's nothing to change about its interpretation. Let me read it from the King James Version as well. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Here in the King James Version, they use the word reproof. Thayer's definition in his Bible dictionary says that it's a proof that by which a thing is proved or tested or conviction. So this is a very important understanding. Ken Hornbeck, one of the men of our Bible study groups, used to say, either sin will keep you from this word or this word will keep you from sin. I love that. It says a lot. It says volumes. If we take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 13 through 16, and Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 12, Luke 14, verses 12 through 14 says, Then Jesus said to his hosts, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. What a story that has in an unfolding metaphor of spiritual and carnal reality. Sometimes we use the two terms spiritual and carnal pretty loosely. Can a sincere Christian behave in a carnal way? Let's understand the word carnal first. The word carnal is translated from the Greek word sarkikos, which literally means fleshly. This descriptive word is seen in the context of Christians in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 3. In this passage, Paul is addressing the readers as brethren, a term used referring to other Christians, describing them as carnal. So we can conclude that Christians can conduct themselves in carnal ways. The Bible is absolutely clear that no one is sinless. If we take a look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, it says, If we can claim to have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Whereas living the life by the Spirit is contrary to the flesh. We can see that in Galatians 5, 
verse 16 through 22, we know that as the fruit of the Spirit. Whereas living the life of the Spirit is contrary to the flesh, then that's just how we need to get in tune with and practice. Evidently, the two war with each other, spiritual and fleshly. Certainly we know what many of the obvious fleshly desires are, such as jealousy, being selfish, constantly being in disagreement or discord. However, being spiritual entails that from deep within. We have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Have you ever tried putting two magnets together at opposite ends? The two just won't click together, resisting and sliding the opposite way and, and, and trying to oppose each other. Our spiritual side of us will know the wrong and willingly push away the opposing conduct of our lives. They're like magnets at opposite ends. Most of us are not in dispute with what is right and wrong, but the struggle is with us deciding if we will be dominated by one or the other. A spiritual walk with Christ requires us to learn more about Him in developing a relationship. When we first start with our walk, we are told to believe in Him, and the next step is to grow in Him. Next, we're to know Him, and then we are asked to do what He is teaching us. The first step of growth is, is not to be conformed to this world, but be renewed. Our minds must be renewed. It's a form of transformation. We read that in Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. Next, he teaches us that we should grow in grace and knowledge as stated in 2 Peter 3.18, it reads as follows. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Following this step, God wants us to learn what is wrong in our lives and what is true, which God teaches us through the inspired word as seen in 2 Timothy 3.16, which we read, all scriptures inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It helps us grow so we know God intimately. In verse 17, it is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. What is important about our lifestyle change is to become increasingly spiritual and decreasingly carnal, which is called sanctification. Once we are relinquished from our sinful flesh, carnality outbreaks will be the exception, not the rule. Christ wants us to grow closer to His image knowing that we all don't travail at the same speed. As long as we progressively grow in His image, our relationship with Christ will be impeccably addictive. One of the valuable quotes that Ken Horvick stated, as I mentioned earlier, either sin will keep you from this word, or this word will keep you from sin. Jesus explains to the host of this dinner that it's one thing to invite your friends and family over for a dinner and treat them like royalty, but can you do the same for strangers, the poor, those who may be severely injured and deformed? This is the mark of spiritual conduct when we won't expect anything in return, and yet we can do this for people we don't know that need us more than we need them. In reality, we do need them to shed light on us from a different angle. 
Jesus promises that we will be repaid at the resurrection. Naturally, this story doesn't imply that all of us or all of our dinners should be for strangers, the poor and the lame. It's clear, and it's a clear distinction between spiritual services versus worldly. Jesus intends for us to understand the difference. The story is a classic, teachable moment. On top of all of it, Jesus said we would be blessed. A blessing from God is a supernatural favor. Wow, it doesn't get any better than that. We have a tendency to write off supernatural favors as a coincidence or luck. No such thing, folks. Unwittingly, it is God superimposing an act of kindness that works in our behalf that no one else could do except Him. We should learn to realize it is God, not luck. Jesus wants us to think about the spiritual walk and to use our daily walk as a living example so that we see what may be spiritual and what is not. This kind of practice keeps us or keeps our spiritual person sharper and keen to our surroundings, enabling us to serve Him to our fullest extent. Even in the Old Testament, God wanted spiritual men used to prepare special garments for God's priests that would enter the tabernacle. Why was this so important? Well, you'll read this in Exodus 28 verses 1 through 3, how God filled people with the spirit of wisdom. Let me read verse 3 in particular. It says, And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. So this was really important to God. Spirituality isn't everything that you do. The spiritual walk and practice is another way of exercising our spirit for strength, in which sometimes we need prodding and coaching to become stronger. When I used to work at the gym with a couple of brothers, one was named Travis and the other one was named Chris, I used to see them trying to maximize their strength and they would maximize my strength to the point of failure. This really is intended for me to become stronger. That style of coaching may mean that they have to help me lift the weights beyond my capacity so I can complete the exercise with the objective of building me up, not humiliating me. We may feel weak and vulnerable when Jesus makes obvious our weakness. However, he doesn't do it to hurt us, but instead it is intended to build us up. Christ wants to build us up for his service. There's a lot of work to be done in the kingdom of God when we stop and think about it. We do know that when we give to those in need, we are lending to the Lord. We see that in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. That's the best borrow you could ever possibly have because God will pay us back in more than what we deserve. I'll conclude with a comment that Travis Thompson made to me about physical fitness. And he said, this isn't a hobby, it is a lifestyle. I agree. Growing in Christ isn't intended to be the popular thing to do of the day, but it is a new lifestyle that he wants us to live by and grow on it on a daily basis. So let me ask you the question, what makes you spiritually strong? Listen to Paul's prayer for spiritual growth. He says this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. 
When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. This is important. Verse 17, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Isn't that interesting? More than we can ask or think, that's what he's going to accomplish. Verse 21, glory to him in the church and in the Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Think about that through all generations, and not just for a certain period of time. It's forever and forever. Thank you. You have a blessed day.